quite a combination we see in uh, the video. We, we see the song Taps, and we heard uh, the humming of Amazing Grace. <clears throat> might sound like an odd combination, unless you know the, the words to Taps, which go this way. Thanks and praise for our days. Neath the sun, neath the stars, neath the sky, as we go, this we know, God is nigh. And then the beautiful words of amazing grace make a, a great combination as, as we come today when we remember those who gave their lives for our country. Tomorrow we come to that day. And, and today we, we meet here on really the Christian Memorial Day where we remember the one who gave everything for us. Now, one thing we remember when we come to Memorial Day is, is how many wars we've been in as a nation. Memorial Day first began as, as just a, a tribute to those who gave their lives in the Civil War and was later expanded. And you look back at the history of our country, you see, we've been in almost an ongoing state of warfare from the beginning. And as we as Christians come here together, we also need to, to acknowledge that we're in a state of warfare. And it really gets discouraging when you see war after war after war in our world, and then you see the warfare that we're in as Christians. And we come today to look at the most encouraging book in the Bible about Christians being in warfare. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation today. Uh, Wes and I are going to be going back between scripture readings and songs. Uh, the greatest challenge of our day is for me to keep my microphone cut off during the songs, all right? Don't want to destroy your Memorial Day this early. But um, I, I love as we look at the book of Revelation, because when we get here, Christians find themselves in the middle of a warfare. Emperor worship from Rome is now being enforced across the kingdom. Some Christians have already lost their lives. Others are in, under the threat of, of, of death. And so in the midst of this, what is God's answer to this ongoing, brutal, sometimes fatal warfare? God's answer is simple. It's worship. Because it's worship where we put things in perspective. Uh, I like what one man wrote. Worship gets us through the hardest times because it shifts our focus from the problem to the problem solver. Did you hear that? It shifts our focus. You know, years ago we used to come in church and someone would pray a prayer like this. Lord, help us leave all our worldly cares and all our troubles outside the door. I'm not asking you to do that this morning. I'm asking you to bring every bit of trouble you have here. Bring it on in this room. No matter if it's trouble at work or trouble at home or trouble in your health or finances, whatever it may be, or even persecution for following the Lord. But here's what we want to do. We want to come and put that alongside who God is. Because when we begin to see who God is, it will shift our focus from our problems to the problem solver. So that's what we're going to be doing this morning. I'd like you to stand for our first scripture reading from Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> I'd like us to all read this passage together. And then we are going to begin praising God here this morning. Right up the, off the bat in Revelation, uh, John gives an invitation in these dangerous times to see our Savior. So let's read this out loud. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest in service to his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. 
earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Let's see. As we enter the book of Revelation, as we've said before, they're, they're going through very difficult and trying times. And uh, it's always a challenge in those times to wonder, where is God? I mean, God, do you see me? God, do you hear me? God, do you know me? I mean, how in the world, God, can you let these things go on? And right at the beginning of the book of Revelation, which is a, a letter to, to seven churches, they're going through different degrees of persecution. At the beginning, he gives us this picture of Jesus standing among the church. The, the words here will be Jesus standing among the seven lampstands, which stand for the church. In other words, the, the message here is in the midst of what you're going through. I can't answer all the why questions. I can't tell you why this is going on. But here's the promise of God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me read from Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Where John says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. That's the churches. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden slash around his chest. The hair on his head was white, like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. That's the common response in Scripture when anybody comes in the presence of God. You fall down. You think you're unworthy. You think that you need to leave the presence of God. And... Read this last screen with me here. I love this. Read it out loud. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. At this point in our service, whatever you're going through, I hope you can feel his hand upon you. And I hope you can hear the words do not be afraid, for truly he is our cornerstone. Often when we get called in worship, we, um, we close our eyes. And I, I don't know what you visualize when you close your eyes. Maybe you visualize being on a mountaintop and looking across the mountains and just the beauty of nature. Maybe you visualize being, you know, at the beach and the ocean lapping at your feet. Probably a bad thing to say to the crowd here on Memorial Day when all your friends are at the beach. But you probably visualize something. Maybe you visualize Jesus on the cross. But here in this scene in Revelation chapter 4, God invites John to come and to see him on his throne. And to see God in all of his majesty and all of his power. And there's all kinds of symbolic language here. Don't get lost in the language. But get lost in the moment. That in the midst of trials and temptations, that God is still in control. He's still on his throne. And when John reaches the throne room of God, he's not like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. Remember the scene when she finally sees the wizard behind the curtain? 
And it's such a disappointment because he's not who he said he was. There's no disappointment for John. No disappointment for us as we see God on his throne. Let me read from Revelation 4. After this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. That song serves a great segue to uh, us preparing our hearts for the Lord's Supper. In the scene we just saw in heaven when the, the doors were open to see the throne room, we see God in majestic power and glory. And then now we come to the next throne room scene. And we don't see God that way. We see him as a slain lamb. What a picture. He's bloody. He's slain. He's a lamb. And it says so much to us about our God. That Christ is not just majestic and powerful and almighty. He's lowly. He's humble. He's loving. He's self-sacrificing. Today we worship an amazing God who is, yes, powerful and who's so self-giving. We worship an amazing God who rules not by the might of his power, but by the degree of his love. Who dies in our place on the cross, who gave himself for us. Listen to this reading from Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the stroll and to open the seals because you were slain. And with your blood, listen closely, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them, that's us, to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they were saying worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea 
and all with all that is within them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever amen the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped i want you to celebrate with me that our god is not just a god of almighty power he's a god of unconditional love who sits on the throne as a lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. As we come to communion today, I want you to be reminded from the two scenes we've just looked at that we serve a God of power and a God of love. If he was only a God of power, at best he would be distance. At worst, he might be abusive. If he is only a God of love, he might be ineffectual or he might be helpless despite the fact of his love. But the gospel story is a story of a God who on Friday dies on a cross in humility and love in our place. And then a God who resurrects on Sunday in power and glory and majesty. So today, as you take the bread and the cup, will you remember a perfect God, a perfect power, and perfect love? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning of worship, God. We pray, Father, that truly we're expressing to you our hearts. God, many of us come in here with trouble in our life, difficulty, challenges, trials, temptations, sickness, loss. And we come to a God who stands among us. But he did more than just stood among us, Father. You sent your son to die for us, to express your incredible love. So now we see this really wild scene of your son sitting on the throne as a slain lamb. But God, we also know that, he's a God of, that you're a God of power who resurrected your son from the dead. And so, Lord, as we remember who Jesus was, God, may we be drawn close to you. We pray in his name. Amen. We come now to another aspect of our worship. You may have noticed back in chapter 4 that um, when the 24 elders fell down, they laid their crowns before the throne. Show that scripture up there if you would. They laid their crown there before the thrones. And I think that brings us to another element of worship that we, um, we celebrate today. Is that worship is not just about me receiving, it's also about me giving. That um, when, when I come here, it's not just about what I can get, it's really what I can give. And that, that's why, you know, there'll be two different people walk out these doors this morning. And somebody will say, wow, that was such an incredible worship experience. And somebody else will get in the car and say, what were they thinking this morning? That was awful. And, and really, it's not so much about what Wes and I are doing here on stage. It's much about what you are giving I think the little kid got it right whose dad got in the car and was really complaining about the service and how terrible the preacher was, how terrible the worship was. And the kid looked at his dad and said, Dad, I didn't think it was bad for a dollar. <laughs> well, guys, you get out what you give. And so we have an opportunity right now in a very tangible, specific way to give to God. Uh, we're, we're about to take up our collection. This is a part of our worship. It's a part of our worship. We say, God, you really do come first. God, you are my all in all. And I'll display that 
by the thing that I'm most prone to hoard, which is my money and possessions. Let's pray. God, Lord, as we um, give to you, Father, God, help us to lay our crowns at your feet. Help us to lay everything that we have, Father, at your feet, even our money, Father. And so whether we're given today with cash or checks or through a text, Father, God, help it to be an act of worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the plates are being passed, also remember to put your cards in the plates. We prepare our hearts now for another element of worship we find in the worship scenes of heaven, and that's silence. To this point, we've seen worship is very noisy, day and night. They're crying out, holy and holy. 10,000 times 10,000 angels are praising him. There's peals of thunder. There's flashes of lightning. There's rushing water. There's harps playing. There's multitudes shouting. Heaven seems to be a very noisy place in worship. But here, the worship is interrupted by silence for half an hour. It's not an indication that the worship has ceased, but it's another aspect of worship, being still, quiet, and silent before God. Revelation 8, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. And on the golden altar in front of the temple, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. As we sing this hymn, Nearer Still Nearer, I want you to prepare your hearts for a a minute of silence and prayer to God. I want you to see this passage from Revelation 2. I know we've all been praying, but there might be a time in your life right now where you need the prayers of the church, and we're about to offer what we call a public invitation. And that invitation is part of the book of Revelation. Listen to this passage. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. You're invited to come. If today you just find yourself thirsty and parched in your soul and you need the whole church to join together in prayer for you, come. If today you're ready to become a new person and to be buried and resurrected with Jesus Christ and to drink of the free gift of the water of life, we invite you to come as we sing. I think it's only appropriate, especially in view of uh, what we've just just heard, is that we... We close out with a a victory celebration. In the book of Revelation, in in, in chapter 19, uh, uh, we come to the victory scene. We come where everything comes together. And there are two elements of this victory. It's sort of unusual. One element is a meal, the wedding supper. The other element is a war. Jesus will appear on a white horse, vanquishing his enemies. So when we come to victory... We embrace a God who love, who invites us to an intimacy of a meal together, and a God who assaults and defeats our enemy. We, we're invited to understand and to celebrate that the evil one will be vanquished, and that love 
will win. Listen to these two pictures before we praise him. Then I heard with what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. We are that bride. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. My friends, we are blessed because we have been invited to that wedding supper. And now look at the other scene of victory. This evil one who attacks us, who seeks to defeat us, is defeated by the one who has our power. Verse 11, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called the faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages a war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's celebrate the victory that is ours.